0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, December 11th. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka Homeless Coalition is expanding its services this winter with a new meal program and a part-time warming shelter for unhoused sitkins on cold nights. Executive Director Andrew Hinton says they'll be providing the service in partnership with a local church.
1: We're very fortunate to uh, be able to partner with the United Methodist Church, who has very graciously offered to um, uh, allow us to use their space in the basement so that on the coldest nights this winter, uh, we'll be able to open up a space, um, a space that's monitored and staffed by the Sick Homeless Coalition uh, for folks that are experiencing homelessness and folks that have nowhere to go.
0: Hinton says every Sunday, the Homeless Coalition will look at the weather for the coming week, and if the temperatures are slated to drop below 28 degrees, they'll plan to open the shelter. Hinton says the warming shelter at the Methodist Church is meant to address an immediate need, while the organization continues to fundraise for its permanent tiny home project at the end of Jarvis Street behind the post office.
1: This is going to be a community of tiny homes, which is for uh, folks that are experiencing chronic homelessness, sickens that are experiencing chronic homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, each of these units is going, to ha- is going to be roughly 14 by 14, each with a bed, a bathroom, a kitchenette, and electric heating. Awesome. Um, I think we all know how difficult it can be to be homeless in Sitka.
0: In addition to their work on housing, the coalition is now partnering with AC Lakeside Grocery Store to provide free meals on weekdays. Denise Schaefer said the program is available to anyone who is struggling with housing or food insecurity.
2: In November alone, we served 298 meals to like 59 unique individuals, which is so exciting and All to date now, we've served served 360 meals. So in just like that one week of December, we're already almost at another 100 meals. And so this program means a lot to a lot of people.
0: Meals are available at AC Lakeside every Monday through Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. The housing market remains tight in southeast Alaska, everywhere in fact. But that doesn't mean it's impossible for buyers to find homes. Patience and preparation are two of the most important considerations as buyers enter the market, says a realtor and banker who work every day to connect people with new homes. The pair took questions in the final installment of the Sitka Chamber of Commerce's Fall Speaker Series on Housing. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
3: High interest rates recently have forced home buyers to set their sights lower when looking for property to buy, but high demand has kept prices up, especially in Sitka. Skylene Batani, a mortgage lender at First Bank, says borrowers should not despair. There is a way to get there.
4: I think they should first come see me and see what they can afford. And if it's not yet, we'll set them up for a roadmap to success. So if it's not today, maybe six months, maybe a year, but we can set them up to what they are and what their options are. So there's.
3: Batani was joined by realtor Keith Brady, who offered a reality check on Sitka's market, which is not all that different from the markets in Juneau or Ketchikan. Buyers are not likely to catch a break, even if all the numbers suggest that prices should be coming down.
1: And unfortunately, in Sitka, just because of uh, the lack of real estate, it seems to always be more or less a seller's market here, uh, regardless.
3: Brady agreed that the first stop for any buyer should be the lender because there are a number of mortgage programs that could affect both someone's eligibility for a loan and the amount they're pre-approved to borrow. A pre-approval letter from the bank can make the difference when the right property comes on the market.
1: Some people, they're ready to go and they're ready to buy, and um, it doesn't take that long. They know what they want, and so if there's a home on the market that fits all their criteria and they like it, it doesn't take that long. It's hard to say, but it depends. I mean, it could be like a week to a couple of months.
3: Batani and Brady described a dynamic market. Interest rates were changing daily, sometimes on the quarter hour, and prices were leveling up. Some properties were sitting longer on the market, now considered overpriced by many local buyers. Batani put to rest the idea that Sitka was being bought up by out-of-town owners looking for second or third homes. Some of that is happening, as is workforce housing purchased by businesses, but it's not a leading trend.
4: I'm seeing all over the market, I mean, a lot of first-home buyers, but I see a lot of longtime residents and a lot of new for the hospital. And they range from um, income-limited programs to higher income. I see it all over the board.
3: Brady, Sitka's former municipal administrator, said there were inherent challenges to opening more land for development, especially in extending Sitka's utilities. He thought a trailer park for families who owned their trailers could work and be a first step toward owning conventional real estate. But Tawny saw opportunity in higher density housing.
4: Personally, that was my first home. It was a townhome. Um, it cut the cost of monthly buying something in the Ketchikan market. It was super high, and um, my budget was small, being a first home buyer, but it worked out ideally. I mean, zero lot lines, having that space to call your home to build equity, I don't know if someone would be willing to do that, but again, it comes down to land.
3: And the land is just not there, Brady added, even for private developers hoping to capitalize on the tight market.
1: I have one person um, who's looking for two to four acres, and that's a lot of land here in Sitka. But they want to build 20 to 40 unit apartments here, and I've been, I can't find it.
3: The solution for this buyer is the same as that for the borrower who's qualified for $350,000 in a market where home sales are averaging considerably higher. They might just have to wait, said Brady. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: State education officials say the Juneau School District can keep more than $2 million in supplemental funding it got from the city. But as KTO's Katie Anastas reports, a potential amendment to state code could restrict how communities like Juneau and Sitka cover costs outside the classroom.
2: The state sets a limit on how much money a local government can give to its school district. The city and borough of Juneau has funded the Juneau School District up to the local limit for decades. It also routinely funds beyond it. This spring, the Assembly gave the district $2.3 million to resolve deficits in transportation, after-school childcare, and other funds. But in a June letter, the state said that wasn't allowed. Will Muldoon chairs the school board's finance committee. He says this hasn't been an issue before.
5: The state had stated that we had um, violated perhaps the spirit, if not the letter, of, of local contributions in regards to education funding. and. Uh, that caught us by surprise a little bit where um, these are things that Juno has consistently done.
2: The district argued that the cap only applies to city money that pays for instructional costs. The state says it's broader than that, and they plan to make that clear in an amendment to state code. In the meantime, the Juno School District can keep the 2.3 million dollars from the city. Muldoon says he expects the board to continue to request city funding, for non-instructional programs in its upcoming budget cycle.
5: I don't think it would be prudent for us to make large-scale changes of behaviors on on unknown proposed uh, code that will most likely not be in effect during that time.
2: But other changes are coming. COVID relief funding for schools will run out next year. So will this year's one-time state education funding. Between that and higher salary and insurance costs, Muldoon thinks the district is entering its next budget cycle with a $7 million deficit. He says they don't have many levers they can pull to address it.
5: We do have some vacancies right now that are saving us a little bit, but um, that's also a strain as well, right? We budget positions because we need them.
2: A permanent increase in state funding would help districts across the state avoid cutting staff or programs. The Alaska Senate passed an increase to per-student funding last session, but the bill hasn't left the House Finance Committee. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas.
0: Five environmental and tribal organizations have thrown their support behind a lawsuit against federal fisheries managers. The suit alleges the National Marine Fisheries Service has violated environmental policies by using outdated data to regulate the trawling industry in the Bering Sea. This includes the Alaska Pollock Fishery, responsible for the vast majority of salmon bycatch in the region. Lorelai Ivanov is the executive director of Native Peoples Action. She says trawling management decisions are based largely on environmental analyses nearly two decades old.
4: There are so many factors as to why salmon declines are where they're at right now in our rivers. We know it's not just the pollock industry. However, if the analysis and if the environmental impact statement that they use for analysis and for decision-making was updated there would be a more complete picture of what's happening in the ocean to base their decisions on.
0: The lawsuit was originally brought in April by the Association of Village Council Presidents and Tanana Chiefs Conference, tribal nonprofit organizations that together represent the vast majority of communities hit hardest by salmon crashes in western Alaska. Becca robbins Jisclair is Arctic Programs Director for the Ocean Conservancy, which has also joined the suit, along with the city of Bethel. She says the North Pacific Fisheries Management Council must make a change to protect Western Alaska salmon runs. Literally as we speak, the council this week is about to make these same decisions again um, about setting catch limits for billions of pounds of ground fish to be removed from the Bering Sea. And they're doing it again without fully considering the impacts on the ecosystem, on subsistence fishing, on indigenous ways of life. On the other side of the suit, the Sea Processors Association and United Catcher Boats have become interveners in support of the National Marine Fisheries Service. UCB did not respond to requests for comment on Thursday. Both the Sea Processors Association and the National Marine Fisheries Service say they are unable to comment on matters of litigation. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Alaska Marine Highway System 2024 summer schedule is now open for public comment. The schedule and supporting documentation can be found following a link in the community calendar posting. Written comments should be submitted by Monday, December 18th. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.